0: What makes up community? When you think about the word community, where does your mind naturally go? Imagine that you had the means to create a community from scratch. What would you have go into that? Would it involve a geographical area like a postcode or be virtual and be online? Would people need to be like me? Or would we share everything and anything and have this commonality beyond location? Now imagine you have the same opportunity to create a Christian community. Today, we're going to explore the first Christian community with some exciting and at times challenging aspects to it. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity that we can gather together we thank you for the team that um, helped to make this possible but also for the church family that just want to gather together and to spend time with you with each other and uh, around your word and around your ministry to us through your people Whether we're listening live or whether we're catching up a little bit later, Lord, would you continue to speak to us, Holy Spirit, deep to deep. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Um, According to Bill Metcalfe, a research methodologist at Griffith University, well before uh, there was the 1970s countercultural revolution, uh, the Festival of Aquarius uh, that was staged at Nimbun, and there was Australia's first intentional community called Hownot, which was established in 1852 in Victoria, in Geelong. The founder was Johann Friedrich Kumner, and he was from the eastern part of Germany and he led a group of about 60 ex-Lutherans to create the first intentional community in Australia, sharing all their income and resources, growing mostly their own food, or most of their own food, and living as brothers and sisters, following God's divine will, which of course was interpreted by and uh, channeled by Kermnau, of course. They built a beautiful bluestone communal eating area, praying and living quarters, working together for the prosperity, um, producing wool and wheat for export and dairy products, which they sold to miners on the gold fields. Unfortunately, as can happen with so many intentional communities and unfortunately also, as can happen with some churches, a charismatic leader can slowly shift well-intentioned values and direction and the group um, as they desire to live out their values and it can morph from being an intentional community to becoming a cult that can be self-destructive and dangerous. But for us as a church family, how do we make sure we value and protect the good without unintentionally drifting into the bad? How do we as a church um, be attractive to the community in which God has placed us with, without becoming destructive? Well, if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to um, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Over the past several weeks we've been drawing together these, these threads of what it means to be um, followers of Jesus and then what it means for us to be a faith community. The first, and we will draw some of our understanding of that from the first Christian community. And we'll take a few moments to explore what it means to foster this DNA in us today as we also seek to follow Jesus. So in Acts chapter two, verses, uh, chapter 2 verses 42 and following, Luke writes these words. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved." Now, there is something special about the image of the first church, as Luke describes. Enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Goodwill from within the church family, but also goodwill that was generated from those outside of the church family and in the broader or in the wider community. When people from the outside of the church looked at the first faith community in Acts chapter 2, the wider community liked what they saw. They were pleased to have them around. But more than that, people were also attracted to the way they lived and the values that were demonstrated in the choices that they made. Because these followers lived differently, they also behaved differently. And people were attracted to the church People regularly became followers of Jesus because of the way this church was living out these values. We believe that as followers of Jesus, we are empowered by the same Holy Spirit that empowered them, who changes people's lives and defines what it means to be a Christian community. So what is in and, and what was a part of their DNA of this first Christian community? And how can we capture that? How can we understand that and seek to live out this as followers of Jesus and to be a church that attracts others to Jesus? Well as we look at Acts chapter 2 verse 42, the first thing we discover is that the followers of Jesus had an unquestioned obedience to the leader without hesitation doing exactly what they said. Oh sorry, that's a cult, my bad. Um, What we really discover is that in their DNA was that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They didn't just devote themselves to the apostles. I have no doubt that they loved the apostles and that they, they cherished and valued them and, and the role that they played in their lives in the life of this first Christian community. But these Christians in this Christian community devoted themselves to the teachings, the teachings that were inspired by the Holy Spirit and was consistent with the teachings of Jesus As the Apostles communicated, explored, unpacked and applied these teachings of Jesus, the people soaked it up and sought to live it out. Today, we have the added benefit of the Bible. Many of those in the first church just didn't have access to that or they would have had limited access to the Old Testament Scriptures. They relied heavily on the Apostles to communicate and to help the hearer to understand and apply the Old Testament teaching as in understood and through the, the eyes of Jesus to their daily life. Today, we have so many ways that we can connect with God's Word, from apps on our phones or our smart devices to websites, to Kindle, to Kaboo. Um, it doesn't really matter but how you do it, but what is important is that we do connect with God's Word on a regular basis. The apostles helped the Christian community to understand the teaching of Jesus. Empowered and inspired by the Holy Spirit, the New Testament was written by these same followers of Jesus. Today we have pastors and poets, we have podcasts and music, the breadth and the depth of the arts that can help us to engage better with God's Word and with God. But all these need to be uh, measured and tested against the consistency of what the Bible teaches. It's part of our DNA as a part of the churches of Christ. The apostles in the New Testament called for teaching to be tested. The interpretation of what the Bible taught was also tested when, when people weren't quite sure what was correct as far as the teaching that was coming out from people. And so they would go back to the teachings of Jesus and together they would discern what God was saying. One of the advantages of being connected with a local Christian community is that you get to engage with a person who helps to unpack God's word. You get to see their character and you get to see how they go in their journey of living out what God's word says. It's unfortunate when people become devoted to a teacher more than to God and God's Word. The Christian community in Acts devoted themselves to the Apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. The Christian community were devoted to getting together and sharing life or fellowship, as it's described. This was more than just a quick catch-up after a service over a cuppa but an opportunity where hearts and lives met together. Hopes and grief was shared and the realities of the teachings of Jesus were outworked and explored. Opening our homes uh, brings with it an opportunity to open our lives to others, to support and to encourage in the tough times and also in the times of celebration. And I recognise that that has been really tough for us at the moment and throughout last year. But let's not allow last year to become the habit of how we do the future. As we can, may there be times of opportunity to fellowship together, to share life with each other over a meal, to catch up for picnics or to um, invite people over for a coffee and a catch up and a chat. Sharing a meal was a, had a, speci- a special significance as we connect with others in unhurried ways. For the Christian, Christian community, there was also the celebrating of the Lord's Supper or communion or Eucharist. Uh, it was not something that was, done in the, was able to be done in the synagogue or in the temple area in Jerusalem. They didn't have their own worship or ministry centres at the time. So on occasions when they ate together, they would pause and break bread and drink to remember Jesus' love and his sacrifice for them. Whereas today, often we find ourselves keeping the meal social and the spiritual we set aside for Sunday. But what might it be like if when we gather together and have people over for a meal with families and friends as we get together that we celebrate and remember the Lord's Supper. While we may fear it could take something away from the the laughter and the levity of a, a conversation over a meal, I suspect that it has the opportunity to add so much more to the meal. And then we see that they were devoted to prayer. What does it mean to be devoted to prayer? For me, I think it says that we value it. It moves from being something that we intentionally do to something that we instinctively do. My wife Mary continues to inspire and encourage me when it comes to prayer. Time and time again, we see uh, miracles happen because of prayer. We see uh, hearts healed and wounds restored. We see people that are bound by the past set free. But the challenge is that there are times when I hear Christians say that they want to see change in a situation, but when asked whether they take some time to pray about it, it's like we're speaking a foreign language. Or they prayed about it a few times, but when nothing changed, they stopped. Or they prayed alone and didn't invite others to pray with them. I firmly believe that prayer changes things not this magic fairy dust type prayer that we sprinkle over things but the nitty-gritty prayer which loosens the knot that might be bound up in our spirit as we yearn for God to do the impossible that's why we're encouraging us to pray for one at one why prayer is um, so important for us as a church and, and we believe it, but we need to live it. Prayer is like the advanced guard that takes spiritual ground before we see it come to pass in the physical realm. And when we pray together, it pulls people closer together. We hear the desire of someone's heart. We join with others and we see God uh, and, and God sees the stuff that matters to us, not just to me, but to all of us. No, it doesn't mean that prayers are always answered in the way we want, but it does draw us closer to God. If we believe God has a plan for us and this church, then we will achieve this plan through prayer. And then we will see the physical realities come to pass by praying for one at one. By praying together on a Sunday morning at 9am, by calling on support and praying for others when we see those messages come through on prayer link. Praying alone is essential, praying together is powerful and we see the realities of the devotion of the Christian community in this passage as the DNA and devotion to God's Word, to getting together to sharing over a meal, to celebrating communion, to praying together and amazing stuff happens. This Christian community takes shape and continues to change lives. We read in Acts 2, a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God. Hearts of generosity, shared lives, shared hopes, shared passions, shared grief, shared healing and shared restoration. It's experiencing the favour of the local community and seeing people following Jesus. Often we can long to be the Christian community that Acts talks about, where people are living life well not living for themselves but living in life in a way that helps others to be the best that they can be, that they can also live life well. To see transformation, amazing things take place, to hear stories of God at work, to see a buzzing children's ministry, to see people from the community coming to faith and wanting to follow Jesus but that doesn't just happen. It didn't happen for the first Christian community, and it doesn't just happen today. A few of us from the church recently had an opportunity to catch up with the Darabin mayor, uh, Alina Messina, uh, our local ward councillor uh, Susan Rennie, the state MP, Kat Theophonus, and the federal MP, Jed Carney. And in this meeting, we talked about 81 High Street And invited them to dream a dream with us. We asked them, what would you dream for this site? If anything could happen here, what would they like to see happen here? And the interesting thing was when we heard back from them, it was the first time they had ever been invited to be a part of such a thing. Normally, it's, it's organisations or groups or whatever it might be or um, developers saying, this is what we want to do. But here we were saying, what could we dream together? It was the first time they'd ever experienced it. And one of the things I said to them that, well, one of our options that we've considered in the past and, and that is an option for us is to maybe sell up and move. And what we heard clearly from them is, no, they don't want that to happen. With a united voice, they told us that they want Northern to stay here, that the community was better because we are here. But God has given us a special place, a unique privilege to be the Christian community that God wants us to be, to see lives lived well to see people start to follow Jesus and to grow in their love of Jesus. But this is an invitation, not a guarantee. If we want these opportunities to become a reality, then first we need to take hold of and live out the DNA of the first Christian community, to be devoted to God's work, to be devoted to each other to be devoted to sharing lives together and when we can to take time to remember Jesus' loving sacrifice for us as we celebrate communion. We need to be devoted to prayer because when we are, God will move in ways that will bring um, eternal change in us and through us and in the world in which God has called us to go. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to empower and enable, equip and guide the first Christian community. And today as we seek to honour that and to, uh, Holy Spirit, be con- continue to be led by you, would you continue to do an amazing work in and through us. May we be people that are known For our devotion to you, our devotion to each other, our devotion to the community, our devotion to prayer. Lord, would you continue to do an amazing work in us and through us for your glory. Amen. So what might God be saying to us today? What might the Holy Spirit be stirring in us today? When it comes to devotion where is the greatest opportunity for growth? It was described to me that if you were to think of the the slats around the edge of a barrel um, and it needed to hold water and one of the slats was lower, then the water's not going to rise up any higher than that lower slat. And if we think about our areas of devotion, which slat needs to be raised up that little bit more that can help to increase what God wants to do in and through us? Is it devotion to God's Word? Is it devotion to sharing life together? Is it devotion to sharing food together and the impact of what Jesus has done through His death and resurrection? Is it devotion to prayer? What commitment could you make today to grow in your devotion? And who could you connect with to help grow in this devotion. We've got some opportunity just to reflect and to prayerfully consider those things. If you'd like to respond you're more than welcome to do that via the chat function or you can send me an email or a text message as well. But Dave is going to play some music as we spend some time just praying this through. God bless you.